Hey y'all, Rick Houston here, and I want to tell you about my new show, the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast. I've partnered up with the state of North Carolina Department of Natural and Cultural Resources to help uncover the history behind moonshining mountain boys, professional wheelmen, and the backwoods and city lights of the Tar Heel State. In the first episode, I sat down with Winston Kelly at the NASCAR Hall of Fame for a little behind-the-scenes gossip about Junior Johnson's engineering skills. He's got two things in his hand, pipe wrench and channel lock pliers, and they weren't new. They had been been around the block a time or two. Wasn't the first deal they built, I bet. No, no. I think the the pliers had been red before, but paint had worn off. And in the second episode, I talked to a professional hillbilly, a.k.a. Dr. Daniel Pierce of UNC Asheville, to find out the real history of moonshiners and their battles with the revenuers. He wrote about one of his experience of trying to chase down this uh, this bootlegger and this this souped up car, and he he complained that the government gave him these piece of crap, cheapo cars, and that, that were really no match. But he thought he was doing pretty good, and then the guy just hits it and just takes off and practically disappears. But then the guy makes a bootleg turn uh, and comes back towards him. And as he said, it was a game of chicken, and I was the chicken. And so he ran off the road. And actually, he was the guy who who caught Junior Johnson at his daddy's steal when Junior got tangled up in a a barbed wire fence. So check out the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast, available on YouTube, DailyDownForce.com, and all of your favorite podcasting platforms. And be sure to check out my regular show on NASCAR history, the Scene Vault Podcast. Hey there, NASCAR fans. Have you got your copy of the latest edition of NASCAR Pole Position Print Magazine? If not, there's no better time than now to subscribe at PolePositionMag.com. NASCAR Pole Position is the only print magazine covering NASCAR. Officially licensed by NASCAR, NASCAR Pole Position Magazine is published throughout the NASCAR season, and each edition is an instant collector's item backed with great feature stories and photography. The magazine is even mailed to you in a poly bag for those who love to collect NASCAR memorabilia. At PolePositionMag.com, you can even find past issues available to purchase. Get your subscription to NASCAR Pole Position and get great NASCAR content delivered straight to your mailbox throughout the season. Learn more at PolePositionMag.com. That's PolePositionMag.com. Hello folks, I am Joshua Lepowski and welcome into a brand new episode of Next Gen Creators, a daily downforce podcast where we talk to the next generation of NASCAR content creators. Joshua Lepowski here with you once again. Be sure before you listen to this episode, be sure you head to dailydownforce.com for some great daily nascar content and also be sure to follow us on social media at daily downforce on twitter and instagram also the daily downforce on facebook as well also if you have any article ideas or dms are open on twitter as well be sure to send that our way as well keep an eye out for some great nascar content on the daily downforce.com and uh, we want to welcome you into the next episode here of next gen creators today we have baloney burger 
here with us today. Baloney Burger, a very interesting content creator. He he does a lot of, you know, shorter form NASCAR news uh, YouTube videos, and he also does some work on the side working uh, on late models as well. So he has a very well-rounded, interesting uh, a life and a lot of interesting things that he is involved in. And he's also someone that really values his community. That's the biggest thing that he talks about in this interview when it comes to YouTube is he talks about the community and how great it is to have the community that he has. So without further ado, here is Next Gen Creators with Baloney Burger. And now it is time to welcome in Baloney Burger into Next Gen Creators. I'm Josh Lepowski here with you, your host, alongside Baloney Burger here today. And, uh, you know, uh, Kyle, uh, thank you so much here for joining us here today and for uh, becoming the next guest here on Next Gen Creators. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. So I guess we'll just start off with, uh, you know, the, the, the simplest of all, you know, uh, how did you get into NASCAR and motorsports in general? Because you are a, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're more than just a NASCAR fan in and of itself. You are also involved in your local short track scene as well. And as I understand it, so you've been quite involved with racing for uh, quite a long time. So how did you get into it? Uh, I mean, how far back do you want to go? So uh, my dad named me uh, after Kyle Petty. Uh, his best friend growing up was a, a guy named Billy Chandler. Billy Chandler worked for Hendrick Motorsports. He did the tire pressures for like uh, Tim Richmond, or he was a tire specialist for Tim Richmond and uh, uh, later on Jeff Gordon. And even as uh, Billy, he, he's basically, as la last I checked, still doing it. Uh, Lane Riggs just won the national championship in late models. That was uh, Lane Riggs tire specialist. So he's uh, he's still out there getting it done. So I uh, at a very young age, I was introduced to the sport. My dad, my grandpa, like we all would go to the house on Sundays and watch it. So I guess technically that's how I got into it. Now let's just fast forward and skip all the, the boring stuff of growing up. And then uh, I was in a I was in community college, and there's the uh, the capstone for finishing out your degree or whatever. So we decided to build an electric car, and uh, the, the selling point was we get to race at Indianapolis. So my first race at Indianapolis, we built an electric car. It used a, uh, you're, you're trying to make it as efficient as possible. So it was an endurance race. We used a, a motor from a uh, electric wheelchair. I think the electric wheelchair company was trying to get more efficient with their stuff. So they were uh, sort of leaning on that technology. So that was the first car I built. Uh, and then uh, from there, uh, I, I worked my regular job, but I got uh, hooked up with a late model team. I basically threw a roundabout way uh, through doing all that. And then, uh, you know, the rest is just, uh, we were doing a, uh, we were doing a late model podcast for a while and, uh, that didn't work. I don't want to get into that, but that, that didn't work out. And so, uh, I ended up with my YouTube channel, uh, that channel got deleted or, or whatever, I guess. So, uh, and, uh, I had the YouTube channel. So I was like, well, uh, just do a clean start and I'll start talking about NASCAR. So here we are. It, uh, it randomly one day took off, like for, for the longest time there was nothing. So, uh, that's one thing like a lot of people are like uh, how do you get started i was like well most people just get started just it's going to be like nothing for a long long time so don't get discouraged by that and then you know as you keep going you'll get better and and my, my earlier videos were terrible don't get me wrong uh, as you keep going you know uh, it'll uh, it'll pick up 
Well, I think that's pretty accurate for the way a lot of people are is just, you know, it it takes time to develop something on YouTube. It takes time to develop things like that. And, and, you know, you're definitely an example of that. And uh, that's, that's true. So, you know, your, your YouTube videos, as I've watched them, the thing that strikes me about them is that your YouTube videos are very short and sweet. You know, you, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, like, you know, Eric Estep does out of the groove, talks about the same newsy type of stuff that 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 you do, but he does it in a longer form. You tend to keep your videos in a much shorter form. Where did that come about? So uh, the the first, I guess, NASCAR YouTube channel I ever watched was Danny B, and I was like, I, I can't do sort of like the history stuff like Danny B does because uh, he, I don't know, I just I couldn't do it as good as him in my mind, I, I guess. And then I saw Eric Eastup stuff. And at the time I was working at a factory and doing the late model stuff. So in the factory is so loud, you only got like 15 minute breaks and then you got a 30 minute for lunch. So, so time was like of the essence. I was like, well, I wonder like, you know, if somebody did like shorter, like YouTube videos, sort of like uh, people are probably not familiar with newspapers today, but there used to be like newspapers that got really in depth. Then there was USA Today. USA Today was like the five minutes of uh, like the five minute version of news. And so I was thinking about that. Then I was sitting at a gas, ironically, and just weird enough, like I was sitting at a gas station one day and you know, the, the little screen that pops up, this is the cheddar news or whatever. I was like, that's it. Like I, I could do like the, the gas station news version of sort of like NASCAR news. And that's, I was like, if I try to keep it under five minutes, cause me and my buddy always talk about, it, I was like, if a, if a video is over five minutes, we're typically not watching it at the factory. Cause we, we're trying to get as many videos in as we can during break. So uh, that's uh, that's pretty much uh, the gist of that. I was I was I was at a gas station and I saw the Cheddar News pop up and I was like I should I should do that for NASCAR on YouTube. <laughs> that's pretty funny, you know, watching those little gas station you know news clips and stuff like that. And it, it is interesting how like you know how how social media is evolving, how like shorter form content is becoming you know more and more. I guess you could say it's it's becoming more common nowadays with the rise of things like TikTok and and things like that. Like, I mean, you know, people like to be able to get their news and to get their information in a very short form, short, concise and just move on that sort of stuff. And that, and that's kind of the that's sort of kind of the demographic you're looking to, even though, you know, you're thinking about it from the aspect of someone being a factory worker on a 15 minute break that just wants to know, here's the cliff notes for here's the cliff notes. Here's everything you need to know about what's going on in the world of NASCAR. Yeah, for sure. And so, I think I, th I think eventually we'll see we'll see some some TikTokers and stuff like that uh, and people uh, that are doing shorts. I think you'll see that uh, they might be, they might already be out there. Like I'm I'm just not aware of them type deal. But uh, I think that'll eventually uh, take off too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever thought about moving some of your content over to like platforms like that at some point? I I think about it, and I it's one of those things. I think about it. I know I should do it, but I need to I need to come up with a game plan, and it's kind of like. Uh, at this point, I would want to practice it, so I'd probably make like a burner channel and, and practice it for a little while. And then when I felt like I was I was decent at it, because one minute, man, squeezing that stuff into like one minute, that's like uh, or, or I guess uh, what am I thinking of? One minute is one minute for YouTube Shorts, so uh, one minute that would be uh, that would be a challenge. But I think if you practiced it enough, it's 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 easily doable. It, it would just be something you would have to practice. And uh, if I ever got it polished, I think that would be uh, that would be the key. Maybe something I can work on on the off season. Mm -hmm. Well, that'd be interesting to watch without a doubt. And so, you know, as you know, during your time, you know, being being a YouTuber, you know, when was kind of that first time when you felt like things were going to be when, when you felt like you were going to start having success on YouTube more so than it just being a hobby for you at that time? Oh, man, that's uh, 
That is a crazy good question because because YouTube for me for me personally YouTube was such a, a journey. I remember the first time I got like 19 views. I was like, oh man, we're killing it this week. And and then it's like uh, you get your first hundred view video, then you get your first 500 view video, and then uh, I don't know. I made there was one video I made that I, I never thought it would like do anything different than my other videos did. It was like uh, I think it was like Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson had made contact or something. And I was just talking about that one. That one got 11,000 views. And so I was like, oh, man, we're, we're going now. Then my next video was like 500 views. So like it was it, it was it was a, it was a process. But uh, eventually, uh, I don't know. Uh, I got I think last year I got a video that had 100,000 views. So that was my first 100,000 view video. So it, for me, it's, it hasn't ever been like a, one that, that really just like took off and, and went crazy all, all my stuff is just sort of constantly uh built so i've just I, I don't know i just sit sort of performance uh marks and stuff like that but uh i guess that i guess that christopher bell video uh, was the most surprised i was like oh my goodness it's like eleven thousand people have watched this video like that's a that just to me blew my mind at that time because i was because like i said i think the most i'd gotten before that was maybe 500 wow that's interesting yeah i've it, it... It is interesting how videos can kind of just pop off kind of out of nowhere. And it's not the time it, it may not be the videos that you expect that are going to pop up, pop off that that can that can happen sometimes. And that's always something to to look for. So where did the the name Baloney Burger, which is a very interesting, you know, first of all, it sounds like an interesting sandwich. But but secondly, where, where did that name in and of itself come about throughout your time being be where did the name Baloney Burger come out? So uh, everybody knows about the Martinsville hot dog. If you're a baseball fan, you, people know about Dodger dogs. Well, uh, where I grew up around uh, South Boston, Orange County, and Ace Speedway the, were the local short tracks that I went to. Uh, that's sort of their version of the uh, Dodger dog or the Martinsville hot dog. You, you would get a bologna burger, and, and each one of them has their their different style, right? So if you go to Ace Speedway, the, the Ace Speedway style is sort of like a chili dog. You put chili, mustard, and, uh, and onion on it, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I get my, I always get mine the South Boston like style way, but, uh, uh, Orange County was, uh, uh, grilled onions and mustard. And then South Boston is grilled onions, mustard and green peppers, uh, all that, all that grilled. So, uh, it was, it's just sort of, a, I don't know, uh, a lot of people, uh, it's funny though. Cause I get that question a lot. A lot of people are like, oh, we thought you like a food truck or, or you were like a cooking channel or something. And, and we tuned in and, and you're like NASCAR news. Like, well, we, we didn't know you were NASCAR news, but we kind of like it. So I, I have gotten a few like crossovers like that. Uh, and like a long time ago, uh, like way back in the day, 500 views day, I did do I did do a video uh, of how to make a bologna burger in uh, each one of those styles. Interesting. So you so you would argue that the South Boston South Boston is, is the definitive place to get a bologna burger. Am I not mistaken in that? That's the most famous. But I, as a little kid going with my dad, we lived really wait. We were like five minutes away from Orange County at the time. So. Orange County is is when I think of a bologna burger, I think about that in my head. But I do like as I get older, like as a little kid, mustard and grilled onions, I was I was good with that. But as you get older, your your taste buds change and stuff like that. I, I do like the little bit of uh, ex extra uh, the grilled peppers in it, and also uh, something they're doing different at uh, South Boston now. You can get uh, nacho cheese on top. Like it's bad enough for you, so you might as well put the nacho cheese on it anyway. <laughs> so the nacho cheese with the with the uh, with the bell with the uh, green peppers and the uh, uh, grilled onions that's uh that's probably my favorite right now well it's so interesting i mean and a question since i'm not familiar with a, what a bologna burger is like what does 
do do they like put like bologna into a burger patty or is it just like full straight bologna that you fry that you put on a burger bun is that is that how it works so yeah you you cut you cut it's a it's a pretty good it's a pretty thick slice uh, i think i, I want to say a speedways is the thickest but they're all they're all pretty thick but a, a speedways is the thickest so depending on, on how you like it so you take that big thick cut and you you cut like uh three three slots in it you throw it on there you fry it until it's got like a little bit of blackened uh a little bit of a char look to it then you throw it on a potato bun just like a regular hamburger bun or uh, whatever and then you put all the toppings are always grilled you never want to put raw anything on it you you, you saute or you know grill the uh toppings throw them on there and then i always always got to hit it with mustard I, I, somebody did say something to me you, you should try brown mustard on it i haven't tried brown mustard on it uh, I, I feel like that makes it a little too healthy feeling to me so I, I just go with the regular yellow mustard but i do need to try it with brown mustard that sounds interesting. So you're you're saying so this is the definitive short track concession stand item. Is that your agreement with that? Like it's better than the Martinsville hot dog, better than the pizza burger at Eldora, which I've had before. You know, this I, is see, the I, have, I need to I need to go check out the pizza burger at Eldora. I can't say it's definitive. All I can say is like you go to Martinsville, you get a hot dog. If you go to uh, a Speedway, Orange County or South Boston, definitely get the uh get the bologna burger there if you go to uh langley you need to get the uh i think they call them redneck fries which is like a scoop of pork and then uh like it's, ch it's chili cheese fries with a scoop of pork which doesn't necessarily sound good but it's one of the best things you'll ever eat that's very interesting by the way p the pizza burger is very good at eldora i've had that before that's a delicious uh a delicious cheeseburger there so you know as as we kind of you know shift back into in, into your time here on youtube you know you you talk about how you know you're you, you're very active in your local short track scene. You work on late models, you know, that sort of stuff. You know, give me the rundown of like your career working on late models and how that like like how you got involved in that sort of stuff. Because I know you said you worked in a fact factories as well during your time frame. You got your start in college building your first race car. How did actually working on late models and short in the local short track scene actually come about for you? Uh, so uh, I met a guy named Craig Moore. Uh, he was racing in the cars tour at the time. And I was like, hey, man, uh, if you need any help, you know, just let me know. So basically for the first year I go over there, uh, I'm helping I'm helping him. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm as green as can be. Right. So I'm doing all the all the menial tasks, all the all the sort of the go gopher work and stuff like that. Clean the bottom of the race car, all the stuff nobody really wants to do. And uh, I guess I guess he decided since I kept coming back uh, after doing that, he would he would put me on, you know, slightly. It was just another uh, evolutionary process, just slightly doing more and more. Uh, and he's real funny about like touching his car. But uh, through him, we were racing in the cars tour. We actually got a cars tour win at South Boston. Uh, but also he he crew chiefs for other for other guys. So we, we've helped people like Daniel Moss, Landon Pimbleton. Uh, Jason Barnes, I don't I, let me stop naming names because I'm gonna forget somebody. But but through that, we we won some limited late model championships, a Virginia Sportsman Championship, uh, a bunch of late model races. So uh, uh, not only working on Craig's car, but the the various uh, clients that he uh, crew chiefs for and stuff like that. I, Tate Tate Fogelman, we actually helped Tate Fogelman in the Cars Tour this year, so that was pretty cool. Uh, and you just meet uh, it's all kinds of uh, interesting people. Uh, I, I tell people all the time, like working on race cars and, and hanging out with the people that travel and work on race cars, uh, you'll meet people you never probably would have talked to in another uh, situation. And it's always like there's so many interesting stories. Like if if anybody ever wanted to do like a podcast on the people that actually work on cars on late models, there there's so <laughs> there's so many stories to tell tell there. But uh, yeah, it's been a cool deal. Like, like it was just another evolutionary thing. I just started out, you know, basically cleaning the bottom of a car for uh, Craig Moore and, you know, work my way up 
Uh, and I'm still, you know, I'm still not an expert on it. You're always, you're always learning something every day. So uh, still, still just a process. And how long ago was that, that you started working on those late model cars? Uh, 20, 2015 or 2016, somewhere in there, I want to say. Okay. 2016, so probably. probably so 2016, I would say. So it's been a few years. Do you, do you have a favorite, like, like part of the car you like to work on or like a favorite, you know, like, like, do you have like a specialty that you have that you, that you like to work on with a car that you've learned as time's gone on? Not necessarily a favorite, but I've got I've got certain jobs I absolutely hate to do, and if I can like pawn that job off onto somebody, like changing the uh, changing the rear end, and it's these are these are quick change rear ends now, so you're not even changing out the hog head or anything like that. It's just the the smell of the rear end uh, fluid or, or grease or whatever. God, it's so it's so much, it's like some type of sulfur or something. It's it's the grossest smell. I can't deal with it. I've done it before, and I will do it. I'm not above it, but. Uh, if I can, uh, if I can get somebody else to uh, to do that, that's that's without a doubt my least favorite job. Uh, but yeah, it, it pretty much uh, everything else. Uh, once you get to the track, it, it's not that bad. Um, I mean, the, I like the worst part is like when a car gets in a wreck and you got to tear the thing down, uh, put it on, put it on rollers, load it up on the trailer, take it to the uh, take it to the chassis shop or uh, whatever to uh, get it fixed. That's uh that's probably the worst job because because when it's bent, no, nothing ever comes off like it's supposed to, uh, and it's just uh, that's usually probably the biggest mess. But uh, well, that, I, so I guess that's probably uh, that's probably the worst job. But uh, I, I couldn't tell you uh, I couldn't tell, tell you necessarily my favorite. Well, I mean, when 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 your car is wrecked out of a race anyway, you're already in a bad mood because you don't like seeing a wrecked race car coming back. So I'm sure that doesn't help either. Right. I mean, that's that's for sure. Uh, and. and 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 here's like the thing you never you never wreck when you've got a terrible car. If you got a terrible car, it's going to run every single lap, and that's it's just going to be miserable that way. But uh, a lot of times when you have a good car, that's that's when it's going to get in trouble. So it's uh, that's uh, that's just the way life goes. Uh, a lot of times in uh, in the short track deal. Do you feel that there's like a scientific reason for that? For why like like you always seem like well when you have a car you feel that like can get that top five or get that win that you've been waiting for for so long all of a sudden it can't get all all of a sudden it wrecks out. Do you feel there's a re do you feel like there's like a scientific reason for that or is like the racing gods playing 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 games with you or whatever? Uh, uh, you can chalk it up to racing gods. Some people would be like, oh, people just race crazy for the lead. But I mean, I feel like people race crazy in mid-pack too, but we, like, whenever we're mid-pack, it, it's it's hardly ever, uh, it hardly ever gets tore up as bad uh, as when you're like sort of in the front. And uh, I don't know. I, I feel like we've been, we've, uh, we've had worse luck in front. So I don't know. Uh, I get, I guess racing gods would probably be, uh, probably be the answer on that one. Mm -hmm. and is this what you do so is, is working on your your short track cars is that basically your day job when you're not doing youtube or is there something or, or do you still do other things aside from uh, working on race cars uh so i do i do help out uh some other companies with their social with their social media stuff like recording videos and stuff like that for them and i do uh when I, uh, most of the time I, I film the races at a speedway. So, uh, just some, some other stuff to, to sort of stitch it all together. And then, uh, you know, the millions uh, we make on YouTube, of course. Mm -hmm. Well, that's interesting. That's interesting. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, and so as you're working on race cars, you know, you're doing a lot of things, you're, you're working on YouTube as well, that sort of stuff, you know, how do you, how do you balance between trying to make sure that you're doing everything you can, you know, with, with what you're doing personally and also making sure that you put content together on YouTube? How do you try to balance those, all of those things together? 
so so my process is uh, I call up Craig and I'm like, all right, what days do you need me to work this week? And that's that's typically uh, how that goes. So so Craig Craig sets the schedule and then uh, I'll call uh, everybody else and sort of like try to work around uh, that. And uh, then some days you're like, I'll half a day here at Craig's, half a day, uh, you know, at the other place uh, filming videos. Uh, so it, it's uh, just sort of like that. Then the weekends, like the weekends are just over with. Like Friday, you're going to be at A Speedway. Saturday, we, we race a lot at South Boston this year. So like Friday's A Speedway, Saturday, South Boston, and then Sunday watching the cup race. Uh, Monday, uh, making the recap video, and then uh, <laughs> Tuesday recovering, I guess. <laughs> Man, oh man, so you're bit so you're busy. That's a lot. That's a busy time. So you're you're working a lot of long days, but I'm sure it's all worth it for you. I mean, doing stuff that you love. Yeah, and so that's probably like the coolest part about it. I I don't really feel like it's work because I'm doing stuff I like doing. It's it's a lot of long hours, but at the end of the day, it, it doesn't always feel like work. I mean, because you're you're chasing a goal with with the with the racing side of it. You're always trying to win, so it never really feels like work uh, unless you're like unless you're tearing down a wrecked race car and you feel like you're working at a body shop. Uh, then uh, and and I like making videos too. So I watched a lot of movies as a kid. So uh, I was always into like videos and the fact that I actually. I don't know how to make a movie necessarily, but the fact that I know how to do some of that stuff now, I'm like, oh my! So you'll be watching a movie now, and you're like, oh, I know how they, I know how they did that now. So it's, uh, it's sort of, sort of one of those things. So I, I enjoy, I enjoy both sides of it. I can relate to that being someone that that stud, obviously studied like digital media in college and stuff like that. Like I can relate to seeing movies and like realizing like I know how they made that. I know how this actually happened. I mean, you never you, it, when you learn how to make videos, you never watch movies the same after that. You just never do. I, I agree 100 percent. So probably the coolest one that I, that I learned is if you remember like the Marvel, the Marvel movies. Uh, yeah. Or, uh, uh, so, so when they, when they zoom into the face and then the background is going away, when I actually learned how to do that, I forget what they call it, but but they're actually moving the camera forward while also zooming out or zooming in, depending on what what they're going for. Uh, when I learned, I always thought that was like the most the coolest effect, and I always thought they did it with CGI. But I was like, they're actually just doing that inside the cameras. And and when I figured out how to do that, I was like, that's awesome. It's like, and I'll never be able to do it for myself because I've got to be behind the camera, so I'll have to <laughs> I'll have to do that on somebody else. Well, I mean, it's it, it is pretty crazy, like the types of things that people can do with cameras. It's always it's always crazy, like how people are able to, like, you know, create the illusion of things like I mean, because because at the end of the day, like like when you're filming things like like that, like it's it really is like a big illusion to some extent because you're trying to to develop, you know, you're trying to develop the illusion that this is happening when it's when what that this is happening even though it's a completely made up world a made up storyline it's definitely one of the most interesting things obviously you don't deal with all, all a lot all of that stuff when you're just filming a youtube video like you do but um right. you know you you know it's still it's still interesting to see how like you can manipulate you know the way you move a camera the way you zoom in the way you zoom out all that sort of stuff Oh yeah, for sure. And and like probably the first thing I learned, and, and I was looking at your setup, I was like, he's backlit. I like the way he's using natural light for the, the light. The first thing I learned was lighting because my first videos, I looked like it was like a hostage negotiation. Like I was sitting in a cave and I was in danger or something. I was like, I probably should put some light on me so people could see uh, who's talking to the camera. So uh, just just l learning little stuff like that. And, and once again, you just keep building on that. And that's uh, eventually you learn enough stuff that you're like man i've learned a lot of stuff and like i said you watch those uh, like you watch a hollywood movie sometimes you're like oh i know what they're doing there 
<laughs> yes, that's pretty incredible. And that's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm certain you, 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 do you have like something similar that you think about with race cars as well? Because now that you, you know, you, you, you watched race cars for a long time. You went to the racetrack a lot growing up. Now you're at the racetrack. You're learning how people do things. Like, do you have a totally different, I'm certain you have a totally different perspective now when you watch a cup race and you see them working on certain things of a race car. And of course I know cup cars are are not really the same as like a cars you'll see at a local short track, but still, you know, you'll see you, the way, like you, you have a knowledge now of how these things are built. Yeah. Uh, so when I used to just watch it as a fan, there would be a lot of times where like, I don't understand why they did that. That was, you know, I wouldn't have done that. Uh, and, and that's easy to say when you're just watching a race, but, uh, but when you're in the middle of it, like every, everybody thinks that there's this, this, this spotter communication and all these people are chiming in. Well, a lot of times, man, if, if you're like, how come the spotter, the, the biggest thing to me that I see recently is like, how come the spotter didn't tell him this? Well, like, I mean, if, if this guy is racing somebody, the spotter doesn't have time to, because the spotter is trying to clear him and keep him out of danger. Spotter doesn't have time to look at what he's doing and then look back here and be like, oh, you know, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is in six. You got to move up five spots to make the, the playoffs or whatever like that. So uh, that that's probably the biggest thing to me. Uh, you, you never understand how much work that spotter's doing. And not only that, but you have to have, uh, for the most part, most most people like a really calm, smooth voice uh, spotter. You don't want somebody just screaming uh, on the microphone, talking real fast. So uh, the spotter is doing all kinds of, of mental gymnastics in, in their head. They're, they're processing information and they're just talking to you like, like me and you are talking right now, like absolutely nothing's going on. Uh, so it's, uh, and, and uh, I say that because I, I've been forced, I hate spotting. I don't want to ever spot again, uh, but I've been forced to uh, spot on occasion when like uh, we've had a radio die on the spotter and I have to climb up on top of the, uh, on top of the hauler and uh, spot, and it's, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Major League, where uh, Bob Euchre is announcing, and Bob Euchre passes out, and the other guy has to uh, start announcing, <laughs> uh, so I was kind of like, uh, you, uh, you, you're, you're clear, um, nothing, nothing is around you, and so, like, uh, that was the, that was my first experience spotting, and that's exactly what I felt like, because, like, I have no idea what I'm doing, this is the most difficult job, as I got, I never want to spot again, so I've got a, a, a lot of respect for uh, uh, the spotters, because it's, uh, it is a underrated job uh, for sure. And it's one of the most important jobs because because you, your spotter can get you just as many spots as your driver if it's uh, if they've got good communication and they work together. Mm, well, that would make sense, given how, you know, especially when you think of a super speedway. I mean, I'm sure you could never I'm sure you could never imagine what it'd be like to spot at a super speedway. But like how important making the right move is at the right time and how badly it can go wrong if you don't make the right move. So, I mean, I, I'm certain, uh, you know. I, I'm certain you never want to be a Cup Series spotter at Talladega in the future, is what I'm gathering from you. I, I mean, yeah, uh, that at, believe it or not, the Super Speedway would probably not be as bad uh, as uh, as a as a more confined track when there's just everything going on all around you. I feel like on the Super Speedway, you've got a little bit more time because you've got that long straight you've got that long straightaway to communicate information. So uh, I don't, but I don't know. Like I said, no, I don't. I don't want any part of spotting anywhere. To be totally honest with you, <laughs> that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So as you're working in 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 late models and and that sort of stuff, do you have like a goal for where you want to take that? Like as as a mechanic or engineer or anything like that, do you have a a, a a plan or a goal for, for how far you want to take that? Or do you just want to stay in your local short track scene? Uh, yeah, I, I'm good where I'm at. I'm, I'm rolling with Craig until Craig's done. And when Craig's done, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go get an adult job again. And, uh, so, uh, but yeah, he's, uh, 
he's been good to me and he, he's a good dude. Uh, I can't, I can't think of a better person I've met. I've met a lot of really good people in racing, but I can't think of a better person I've met in racing than Craig. He'll, uh, he'll, he'll bend over backwards, do anything for you, uh, type guy. So I, I can't, I couldn't imagine ever leaving. Uh, I couldn't imagine ever leaving where I'm at now. Uh, cause, uh, quite honestly, I, I wouldn't know, uh, Jack squat, uh, without him, uh, basically showing me the ropes and, uh, progressing, uh, my, my skills throughout the years. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, do you have a, do you have a favorite memory, like a favorite race that, or like a race win that you've had that you've, that that's your favorite when you've been on the crew for a race team? Uh, so without a doubt, it was actually, believe it or not, the first race win, uh, was, was with Craig. And, and uh, it was the Cars Tour at South Boston. And uh, I, I didn't know how big of a deal it was at the time. Uh, but just uh, looking back now, like some of the people in the field that, that we beat, I mean, there, there, was, there was local guys for sure, like Lee Pulliam. He's a multiple-time national champion. And, and there was also, uh, I mean, just, just other guys in the field like that. But all, there was also some guys at the time you didn't know how big they were going to be. But Josh Berry was in that field. Lane Riggs was in that field. Ty, I want to say Ty Gibbs was in that field. I don't know if Corey Heim raced that race or not, but like I said, there's, there's some other guys that like, I, I know all the local guys and I don't want to, I don't want to like, you know, uh, say them. Cause I guess I'm, I'm not a lot of people would know them, but the other guys people would know now, but at the time, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily have known them, but they definitely uh, got to, uh, got to bigger heights. So that was, that was my first win. So I feel like my first win will always probably be like the biggest one. And it was in, it was in the cars tour. So like in the cars tour is a huge deal. Now it was a big deal back then, but I, I, you know, the, the people that bought into it definitely have to say it's a bigger deal now. And uh, so that was, uh, that was, that was a big one. And uh, probably my, one of my next bigger memories was uh, this season working at, it wasn't, it wasn't a win by any means, but just working at North Wilkesboro. Cause that was the first race I ever watched. I never imagined in my life that I would be, uh, working on a car that was racing inside North Wilkesboro, uh, being a little kid, just watching the cars on the outside. So uh, uh, sur that was a surreal moment, uh, crazy. Uh, so uh, those are probably my two, uh, as it stands right now, two of my favorite memories. And then, of course, last year watching the race when uh, when uh, Marcus Smith and Dale Jr. and all them brought it back uh, for just the late model deal. Well, that was that was incredible. So you North Wilkesboro was your first race. What what year was that out of curiosity? Your first race at North Wilkesboro? Oh, man. I can't call it. I want to say like 86 or 88, somewhere in there. Uh, but uh, Dale, Dale Sr. and Ricky Rudd were going for the lead. And Ricky Rudd bumped Dale Earnhardt out of the way. And Dale Earnhardt returned the favor. But because uh, Ricky Rudd lacked car control, I was an Earnhardt fan. Uh, Ricky Rudd liked uh, car control. When he got bumped, he spun out. Like Earnhardt didn't do anything different than Ricky Rudd did, but Earnhardt got black flagged for it. To this day, I'm still mad about that because Earnhardt would have won that race, and I would have seen uh, I would have seen him win my first race I went to. But uh, so so they get black flagged and they go to the back of the pack, and then Jeff Bodine and Rusty Wallace uh, in the 27 Kodiak car. I don't know if how many people remember that one. But uh, they put on an absolute battle for the win, and Rusty Wallace ends up getting the win. So uh, my first race, I went to Rusty Wallace wins, and it was, I mean, it's just one of those finishes. Uh, I wish I could remember the year so I could tell you to look it up. Just look up the finish, the very finish of it. Uh, it's one of the closest finishes uh, you'll ever see, and they're just like beating and banging, going for it. Kind of, kind of like, uh, kind of like Austin Hill and Sheldon Creed, except one of them actually won. <laughs> well, that's that, that's something I'll have to look up on NASCAR Classic sometime a little bit later to see what type of a race that was. That's pretty incredible seeing, you know, you know, and obviously North Wilkesboro coming back has been a really great thing and, and that sort of stuff. So 
and, and it's interesting because because you've seen and 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 the cars tour has seen in recent years how nascar has begun to you know how nascar and a lot of people associated with it have begun to kind of go back to their short track routes and begun to you know form these partnerships and been able like for example like bringing the cars tour and asa in the same week in north wilkesboro you know what's that been like for for you guys in in within this field to see people like Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Kevin Harvick to come in and invest in the cars tour and to see, you know, how people are starting to invest in local short track racing. I'm really, I'm really happy that they've made the decision to do that because I look at it like uh, uh, if major league baseball is kind of what I always go back to. It's just as fun to go to a major league baseball game as it is to go to like a triple a or double a or single a game. Uh, I remember like going to the Durham Bulls games. Uh, it was really awesome. And that's sort of uh, now now that it's uh, being more of an emphasis and focus on on building uh, driver development, driver talent and stuff like that. Uh, these guys racing at the local short tracks. It's really honestly like back in the day, because back in the day you would see guys uh, if they were in the local area. Uh, Kyle Busch is probably the most famous example. Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson. Uh, if they're in the area, they're going to they were they're going to find a place to race at. And uh, it's sort of similar now, except you've got more you've got more guys doing it because i guess the uh i feel like the the corporate aspect of it was sort of keeping people out they didn't want people to get hurt or whatever but it's it's good that 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 sort of a understanding has been met that if we go to the local short tracks that's going to build up the fan base again and and i think it's overall just a good thing for the sport rambled a little bit but that was my overall point <laughs> well it's interesting and it, it's been cool to see kind of how nascar has begun to develop those sorts of things and i think it'll be I, I, I'm I'm all for seeing NASCAR partnering up more with those types of series at different racetracks. Like I'd love to see, I'd love to see, like, I think I posed this on daily downforce a while ago. It'd be really cool if we had like, if maybe for the spring race at Martinsville, you could have a full week of just local short tracks, like late, bring in late models, legend cars, all that sort of stuff just to come in and race at Martinsville for the week leading up to a cup weekend. I'd be all for that. Uh, I think that'd be cool. I wonder if you would feel the same way about that. Yeah, they did. They basically did something similar for the All Star. Uh, I know they do the modifieds right before the uh, Cup race, but then you've got that. Uh, I feel like you've got a Thursday or a Friday where you could get some late models in there. The late models do race at uh, Martinsville. They just do it like maybe a week or two before. Uh, and we've we've been to the Martinsville race. We we haven't had any good luck there. I think we were running really good one time. We were running like twelfth, and the alternator went out. And it's just uh, we it's like Martinsville. It's it's the biggest race, and we always have bad luck. But yeah, I agree with you hundred percent, man. If they could get. Uh, uh, super late models, late models, uh, the modifieds, that would be a great buildup event. And I really, uh, I really would love it if they ran trucks and Xfinity uh, both weekends uh, when they run the cup series down there. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as we, we, we turn back towards YouTube here, you know, looking at kind of like, as time goes on, we talked a little bit earlier about how you know, con your content might evolve as time goes on with the way that the media landscape is changing and and that sort of stuff. You know, what what are your kind of like overall prospects for the future of you working in YouTube and that sort of stuff and what you want to try to do with uh, the content that you have currently? Uh, I, I just kind of go off off what people tell me in the comments. And right now, a lot of people seem to like streaming. So I'm thinking about doing some more streaming in the future. I'm thinking about uh. It, it, it's hard to do more videos, but I'm actually thinking about trying to do more videos for the channel. Uh, just try to be uh, sort of consistent. Like Iceberg does uh, five days a week. Uh, I try to do uh, three to four days a week. So I try to bump it up to at least five days, uh, sort of match guys uh, like that. Um, just trying to just trying to do more content. And definitely, uh, I, I, I think 
the the group that watches my stuff really likes to stream and stuff so i need to figure out a uh, a regular streaming uh schedule I, I i do tuesdays and sundays now but i need to figure out like maybe uh another day at a different time because I, I do get a lot of feedback that hey we love your your live stream we wish we could actually watch it live because you, you're doing it at this time so maybe figure out a a, a time to get give give those other people an opportunity to watch it live so they can comment and uh and get their uh, two cents in mm-hmm. yeah absolutely i've seen i've seen you know the fact that you do your streams and 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 that sort of stuff and you know i mean it, it is definitely you know it's 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 interesting to see how like you know content is is evolving and and that sort of stuff and how that sort of stuff's becoming more important you know nowadays and and with with all that sort of stuff so you know, I mean, you know, we, we've kind of talked about how, you know, you're you're kind of filling that gap of like being, you know, like the more, you know, short and sweet NASCAR news type type of a person and, and that sort of stuff. And you're you're kind of developing that. And then those streams, I would assume, kind of give you the opportunity to maybe expand in some areas that maybe you weren't nec- that you can't necessarily do in a YouTube video. And so, you know, it, and also allowing you the opportunity to interact with fans, that sort of stuff. So, you know, how did the, how did the idea for, for streaming come about and, and what types of stuff do you look to get out of those usually? Uh, some, some, uh, somebody said on, on, in one of the comments on one of my videos, like, how come you never stream? And then, uh, from that comment, like there was like 12 other people that uh, talked underneath that comment too. And, and I was like, well, I guess I should start streaming, huh? Uh, so uh, I made a deal. I think I, I think it was like if if I if I hit a thousand subscribers, I'll start streaming or something like that. Because I was really close. It was it was only like two hundred or something away at that time. So I was like, I, I felt good uh, that I would hit it. So uh, once I hit a thousand, I was like, all right, I'll start streaming. And, and that stream went really well. Uh, my only nervousness about streaming, I had I had this like terrible paranoia that I was like, I'm gonna go on here to stream and I'm gonna be talking to myself. Nobody is gonna show up. Uh, so that was my big fear. But once I overcame that, uh, the, the first stream, there, there was there was a lot of people there. So it was uh, it was pretty cool. And I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, it uh, Once again, one of those things you had to smooth out and, and figure it out as you went. Uh, but it's become really fun. Uh, and, and, and it became just sort of a really cool thing uh, that I really wish I'd always been doing, to be honest with you, because one of my one of my favorite memories is watching uh, back in the day uh, after the race ended, you could just walk down on the track and you would go talk to the drivers and they would sign autographs for hours and hours. Totally different now. Now you do it basically before the race. You have a little zone where they'll walk by and you uh, but it used to be after the race back in the day. And I, I remember I watched Richard Petty sit there and sign autographs. I swear for like two hours straight. And he wasn't just like signing autographs. He was talking to the people. And I was like, it kind of reminds me of that. And, and it just, uh, it's a good way to actually meet people and, and see what they think about NASCAR. It gives you a better perspective of just sitting in my room and, and mentally thinking what I think about it. I like to be challenged with, with, with what other people think about it too, because my opinion's not always right. And that's what I, I say all the time. I was like, oh, that's a good point. I'd never thought about it that way. So uh, I, that's, I love that aspect of it because it, it gives me a better perspective of what everybody thinks about the the sport as it stands or whatever topic I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an interesting way to interact with, with fans and to be able to have that ability to do um, the ability to talk with them and, and things like that. So, you know, have you ever, you know, how, how much have you done with fan with, with maybe like some of your fans at the racetrack? I know you, uh, you, you went to the Martinsville race. I know that. And I know that uh, you had to record a video at I think you said four o'clock in the morning or something along those lines to, yeah. to, to, to react to the Sheldon Creed, Austin Hill drama, but uh, yeah, thank, you, know, thank you, you, Sheldon Creed and uh, Austin Hill. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, have you ever done anything at the racetrack? with your fans and that sort in in that aspect 
I, I, I don't like, uh, I don't, I don't ever set up anything. Uh, I did, uh, I, I bumped into Danny, uh, Danny B talks at this one and, uh, he gave me a really good idea. He was like, you should start going, Bob Pockers has a tweet up. He's like, you should, you should start going to the tweet ups. I was like, cause you're probably going to see more people there than anywhere. But, uh, other, other than that, I've, I've just sort of like randomly, uh, bumped into people and, uh, well before, like, I don't, I don't know, I, I might've had a thousand, uh, subscribers or something. I, I remember the first time somebody walked up to me. It was it was at Martinsville, and and I was like I was like oh my god somebody record it, 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 it was I had never thought about it. I was just like I just make YouTube videos, uh, you know, in this little room right here. Uh, I'd never it had never clicked in my head that people watch them <laughs> like on the other side and they know who you are. And I was like that is I was like that was it was so crazy, but it was it was really cool. I, I, the guy's name was Dennis, uh, and I, I remember I remember meeting him. I think he was from West Virginia. So that was the first guy I met. And the I, ironically, Martinsville, the, the last person I met, a guy named Chris from Knoxville. He had a really cool mullet. Like it was, it was super 90s. Uh, so so good hair, Chris. Keep that going. He had the like little uh razor uh things shaved into the side of it. He 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 had put a lot of time into that uh, haircut. So it was a good looking haircut, man. Uh keep it going. Uh Chris in Knoxville, I want to say. But uh yeah, I I, I've never actually set anything up yet. I just don't feel like I'm big enough uh, to do that. And so I just try to meet people as I'm walking around. But Danny B did did give me some good advice to just go to the tweet ups with Bob Pockris. And I'll probably see uh, a lot of people there uh, that are that are uh, into the channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are definitely I, I haven't made my my way to a tweet up yet. Uh, hopefully at some point I will sometime next season whenever, uh, you know, we get back to the racetrack. But uh, that would be definitely be interesting. So do you what what are your overall you know as you're developing as you're starting to do you know do you know as you branch out do different things things like streaming that sort of stuff you know do you have any like you know do you have like a subscriber like ultimate goal for youtube like the, the an ultimate dream for like as a youtuber as an asker youtuber this is what i would love and would absolutely want to do i already surpassed it never thought i would get ten thousand. When when i went over ten thousand, i was like i was like wow like i mean like i don't know i i, I guess because the first year of the channel like nothing happens like nothing's happening nothing's happening uh so i was literally just making it because i wanted a community uh to talk about racing so like that's that's probably the other thing about late model stock cars uh, a lot of those guys uh they don't want to talk about uh the cup series because they're locked into what they're doing and and they're like oh, we we don't care about that cup series stuff uh we just like what we're doing here and i, I totally get it not it's totally understandable but I'm into it and I wanted to talk about it. So that's, that's actually probably a big reason that the channel went the way it went. I just wanted to talk to, uh, I, I wanted to have a community and now I've got a huge community. I got plenty of people, uh, to talk to about NASCAR and that's, that's super awesome. And, and uh, yeah, I would love to have, you know, more to, to talk about it too, but I don't have any specific goals for that. I uh, just, I uh, just think it's super cool. And I feel like most of the people that are there, especially on the live streams, they're, they're just people uh, like me, that uh, their friends might not necessarily be into NASCAR, but we've got a little uh, a little side side quest over here that we can talk about NASCAR, uh, you know, on the live streams, and 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 you get it uh, you get it out of your system over there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you know, and Eric talked about it on the very first episode of Next Gen Creators how great it is to have a community, and he he talked about specifically having a community of younger NASCAR fans to be able to talk with the sport about and. You know, sometimes, you know, that's what a lot of people sometimes are searching for is they're just looking for somewhere to go where they can talk about NASCAR because, you know, I mean, it's it's NASCAR is a niche sport. That's just what it is. It's it's niche. It's it's not something that everybody's a fan of, but it is a sport that is popular. There are a lot of fans out there that that like it. And so as a result, you know, creating a platform for people to talk about it is is always something that people look forward to. 
Yeah, for sure. And that's probably the most, I wasn't real, like I watched videos on YouTube, but I wasn't like, you know, super familiar with YouTube. And that's probably the thing that surprised me the most about YouTube is it is a community. Uh, once once the channel uh, gets going, it, it it is a community of, of people that are just there to talk about the the topics that you uh, put out that day or whatever. And and I try, I still try to, I'm not, I'm, I can't keep up with them like I used to, but I still try to keep up with all the comments. I try to answer as many of them as I can, because I feel like that's, once again, I feel like that's Richard Petty, you know, signing his autograph and have a conversation with every fan that walks up. I do try to answer every comment. I do uh, try to answer when, when the chats are going, I do try to read every single uh, chat that I can read. And I answer as many of them as I can. And sometimes I just, I mean, sometimes it's such a good question. It's like, I don't know the answer to that. So uh, I'm not, I'm not afraid to say that either. I was like, mm -hmm. but uh the, the community aspect of it is something I totally overlooked when I first started doing it because I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> what was was there a moment where you realized like how much of a community that YouTube is and how much of a community that you that you were able to build there? Yeah, so North Wilkesboro last year, uh, or maybe it's two years ago now. I don't know. Uh, maybe a year. Well, I can't. I'm not good. Uh, space and time, not good. Uh, but uh, the the uh, cars tour when they when they the racetrack revival at North Wilkesboro, I saw so many people there. They're like, "Oh, you're Baloney Burger. Oh, you're Baloney Burger. Like, yeah, yeah. Nice to meet you." And you know, uh, I was like, I was like, "Oh my God!" I was like, "I uh, this many people know who I." It was it was once again surreal. Like I, I was telling you with the first person that met me, Dennis. Uh, it was so surreal that that many people knew who I was, and I was like, "Man, this is insane." Uh, I, I still, to this day, can't wrap my head around it. Like, I'm just talking into a, like, from my aspect, I'm just talking into a camera and I'm answering comments. And it just, uh, it, it's, it's so, it's so different when people come up to you and, and, uh, it's just, uh, it's very humbling, I guess is, is, is all I can say. I never, I never imagined people would know who I am and, uh, I'm super humbled and I'm always, uh, I think I, I try probably sometimes to over talk to them sometimes, because sometimes I think they just want to say, Hey, and I'm like, Hey, how you doing? Where are you from? Like, I'm so, I'm so hyped up to meet them, uh, because, uh, they just don't understand. Uh, I actually have some, someone to talk to NASCAR about and I'm, I'm pumped up about it. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, but I'm, I'm super, I'm super humbled. Uh, I never in my wildest dreams, in my wildest dreams, I uh, never thought this channel would do what it's doing right now. Absolutely. And the channel's doing great things and it is it's continuing to grow as time goes on there. And, uh, you know, uh, thank you so much, uh, uh, Kyle Baloney Burger, for uh, for joining us here today on uh, Next Gen Creators. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it was really cool to hear you talk about, you know, how important things like community are to you education on how late models work and how working on race cars works that sort of stuff really cool really insightful conversations and uh you know very excited to see you um you know hopefully pretty soon becoming a part of the the daily downforce family and uh, also just uh continuing to uh you know continuing to to grow as a content creator yeah i appreciate it man and you're doing great things uh you just popped up on my radar maybe like uh two or three weeks ago and i was like man this guy's doing good i, I love what you're doing so you keep doing it uh doing it on your end <laughs> thank you so much i i appreciate it folks baloney burger here on next gen creators great interview there with baloney burger 
today on Next Gen Creators. That was a ton of fun, him talking about a community at the end there and how much he loves his community on YouTube, getting some insight into what it's like to be working on a race team, given the fact that he's done so much work in late models and places like the Cars Tour and things like that. Really exciting to hear all of those things there from Baloney Burger. Thank you so much for joining in here to this episode of Next Gen Creators, a daily downforce podcast where we talk about the next generation of NASCAR content creators. Be sure to give us a follow on social media at Daily Downforce on Twitter, at Daily Downforce on Instagram, the Daily Downforce on Facebook as well. And also be sure to check out DailyDownforce.com for some great daily NASCAR content. We thank you so very much for tuning in here to this episode of Next Gen Creators with Baloney Burger. I'm Josh Lepowski signing off for now. We hope you have a great day.